we as humans all want something whether that is love whether that is material possessions mental emotional we all want something as humans what are some things that humans want like i mentioned we want love we want good food and i believe we put a good effort into having good food and satisfying our hunger we want pleasures we want possibly physical things like a nice car a nice house a good cell phone which in these days it's hard to go without one and if we look at if we look in the word of god there's a nation named israel they also hungered and wanted something just like we all do i want to focus on ezekiel chapter 7. in ezekiel chapter 7 it talks about the wrath of the lord it talks about the judgment of god on israel and there's this phrase that repeats saying or stating that an end has come from the 14th verse down it talks about what Israel did and God's response to it. And then we come to verse 19 of Ezekiel chapter 7. I'm reading an ESV version. They cast their silver into the streets and their gold is like an unclean thing. Their silver and gold are not able to deliver them in the day of the wrath of the Lord. They cannot satisfy their hunger or fill their stomachs with it. For it was the stumbling block of their iniquity. An interesting passage. I want to focus on this one phrase, they cannot satisfy their hunger or fill their stomachs with it. So we see that Israelites, they hungered for something. Here it says that if we start from the back to the front, it says fill their stomachs with it. What were they trying to fill their stomachs with? If we read earlier in the verse, it talks about them wanting silver and gold. But God says clearly that silver and gold will not satisfy. So they tried filling their stomachs with the silver and gold. In other words, the pleasures of this world. And then it goes on, or before it says they cannot satisfy their hunger. What did they hunger for that they were not able to satisfy? I believe that deep inside they hungered for God. They hungered for the things of God. They had this empty hole like one would say, and they try to satisfy it. The problem is, yes, they wanted maybe things that we all want as humans, peace and love and much more, but they went to the wrong sources to find this fulfillment and to satisfy this hunger in themselves. These sources, they left them empty, left them shameful, and in the end, they exposed them. And we, and me, we all hunger for something. The question is, what do I hunger today for? Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's the pleasures of this world. Maybe I hunger love and peace and satisfaction deep in my heart. But the problem is, I go to the wrong sources to satisfy that satisfaction. And so I want to look at what should I want? What should a Christian want? And I want to look more of from a spiritual side. Because I know in the physical world, we want many things. And I think we know what we should want and what we shouldn't want. But I want to focus our attention to the spiritual side of things. In Psalms 37.4, there's this verse by David. Delight yourself in the Lord and I'll give you and he will give you the desires of your heart. This is not one of those spots where people can t take out of context and say that God will give you the desires of your heart. Ask and you'll receive. It's not one of those say it and claim it verses. There's a key here that we have to understand. It says, delight yourself in the Lord. 
our satisfaction, our pleasures should be in the Lord. We should find contentment in the Lord. And then when we do that, our desires will be fulfilled because they will be pure and holy. And then we could stand on the promises of ask and you'll receive. And of course, it has to go according to God's will. But one may ask then, what should the main desire be? In Psalm 73, 25, a psalm of Asaph, where he talks about how his feet almost stumbled, how he was envy of the arrogant, of how they prospered, they grown riches. But then towards the end, when he went to the sanctuary of God, beholding his power and glory, he understood that God put them in slippery places, that their end is destruction. And then in Psalm 73, 25, towards the end of this psalm, Asaph writes, Whom have I in heaven but you? He's referring to God. And there's nothing on earth that I desire besides you. I don't know if we can say this in our lives today. If we can say that, who have I in heaven but you, O Lord? I want nothing else on this earth besides you. This strong desire for the Lord needs to be in our hearts. And I believe that when we do have this desire, just like Asaph in this psalm, many of our questions will be resolved. And we might, be not, we might not have to go through certain things if we just desired God and wanted Him and wanted more of Him more than anything in this life. Also in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, Jesus states that, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. In the beginning, if you remember still, we looked at the Israelites. We looked at they hungered for something, but they were not able to satisfy their hunger. Why? Because they had the wrong desire. They went looking to fulfill this desire to the wrong sources. Like I said, sources that left them empty, shameful, and in the end exposed them. We'll be satisfied deep inside and only when, when we truly want God and His righteousness. What does that look like on a practical basis? It's when we seek the kingdom of God before anything else in this world. Matthew 6.33, one of Jesus' famous sermons on the mountain, a verse that's known by a good amount of Christians is, But seek the first kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Once again, this is not a verse that we can flip backwards, and many people in this world do make it backwards. I often catch myself seeking the things of this world, trying to find satisfaction, looking to make my life and plan my life ahead. And I put the kingdom of God as a secondary plan. But Jesus Christ says that, don't worry about the things. And earlier, before this, he talks about, don't worry about what to eat and what to dress, because it's just a natural thing to do. We need to seek God. And so when we do have, and when we do seek the kingdom of His, there's a promise that these things will be added to you. And I can for sure say that. A small testimony is this past quarter, it was a difficult one because it was online and I took some challenging classes for me personally. I was worried that I wouldn't pass it, but I made a requirement or a thing in my life where I said, no, I'm going to spend time every day with the Lord. I'm going to give God's time His time, value time, not the last five minutes of the day, but the first and the last Part of the day, I'll give it to the Lord. And when I did that, I saw God's hand. I saw God's movement and guidance. And praise God, I passed all my classes. It was by God's mercy and grace. 
And so I want to encourage you to seek the kingdom of God first and then all these things will be added to you. And I know this is easier said than done. I failed many times. I know this taste trucks, this takes trust. You really have to believe that when I seek God in His righteousness, when I truly desire God, that these things will be added to me. If we could rephrase this phrase of Jesus where He says, but seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, we could possibly say, blessed are those who want righteousness, who want and thirst God for, like David, for example. When we thirst and want God, like David. And I want to read Psalm 63, the first eight verses. This Psalm spoke to me probably a year or two ago, and it's just been on my heart, and every time I read it, I always get something out of it. I cannot get bored of reading this Psalm. I encourage you to read it, to memorize several verses, to make it a reality in your life. Psalm 63, the first eight verses. A Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you, your right hand upholds me. I want to read once again the first verse and the eighth verse. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. In the eighth verse, my soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. An amazing psalm of David. And I know this was an emotions. I don't believe that it was just he was going through the motions and he wrote this psalm. I believe that this was a reality in his life. Yes, I know he was chased by, down by his enemies. He had a lot of difficulties and challenges in his life. And we must understand that yes, he had the riches. He had the fame. He was a king. He had everything to be satisfied from a human perspective. He had everything to be content with. But no, he wanted something deeper. He sought something further and more eternal and something more meaningful and valuable in his life. And he found it. It was Jesus Christ in his life. And he said, my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. My soul clings to you. This should be a spiritual state of a right Christian. This dependency on God when all we want to need here on earth is Jesus Christ because that's why we are here to serve Christ, to spread this good news, which often I find myself not doing, which we must do and spread this good news because we have this hope. And I believe that's the message of Christmas. And I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas. And this should be the desire of our hearts is Jesus Christ. Whether it's Christmas, whether it's Easter, whether it's some other holiday or event or a day in our lives. Our desire, our main goal should be Jesus Christ. If I thirst for water, for example, and I have this thirst for water. I'm not going to sit there and just think about water, just thirst water. I'm going to go and find the nearest source of water to satisfy my thirst. I'm going to go get a cup of water. 
a water bottle, whatever it may be to satisfy this thirst. And I believe that we need this kind of urgency today. Because how would our lives be different if we truly saw God's glory and power in our lives? How different would our lives be if I saw the power of the Holy Spirit move in my life? God did everything from His side. He blessed us. He put us in this place and wherever you may be watching this, but I live in the United States and it's been a blessed year after year where I have so much time to spend with the Lord. And where do I put my time towards today? Where are my intentions? What is the desire of my heart? And it starts with what do we want? There might be reasons why we might not want God and not want to spend time with the Lord. There's possibly three reasons that I found and there's more reasons and I'm not going to stop on each one. I just want to stop on the last one. But number one, like always is sin. Sin steals this joy, this peace in our hearts. Sin leads us to destruction. Sin is not God's will for us. We, those who are in Christ, are not called to continue in sin. And if we have sin in our lives, and maybe we look at our lives and say, yeah, I don't desire, I don't want, I don't thirst, I don't hunger for God. And then we noticed in our lives that we have sin in our lives. We have an idol, we have whatever it may be that is hindering us with God. We need to repent, we need to come to God. Before I was a Christian, before I gave my life to Jesus, before many of us and all of us who have repented and gave our lives to Jesus, those of us who have, we lived in sin. Our desires were not God. We didn't wake up wanting to spend time with the Lord in prayer. We didn't have this desire to spend time with Him in His Word. We were in sin. We were blind. But praise God, He changed us. And we have come to repentance and to know that there's something much more. Number two is doubt. If I doubt God and God's existence and whether God loves me or not, why would I truly desire Him and want Him? I wouldn't want to spend time with the Lord that I have doubts about. If I don't really believe that He exists, I'm not going to give 100% to Him. I'm going to probably live 50-50 just to be safe, like they say. And third of all, is not understanding who God is. Who is God? Let's ask that question to ourselves. Who is God to me? I believe that when we know more of who He is, we will want Him more and appreciate Him more. The reason being that I might not want God as much is because I cling to the pleasures of this world. Jesus is not sufficient for me because do I believe that what Jesus has to offer and Jesus himself is greater and more satisfying than the things of this world than what this world can offer. We just look at in the Bible and the word of God of what Jesus did for me and you. What he did is not comparable to what anybody may do for me and you. The word of God says that he died for me, for us, when we are still yet sinners. He loved us with an everlasting life, with an everlasting love. And how can I not want to serve this kind of God who gave his life to me, to you? And once again, I don't want to ignore the holidays or the events that are going on. It is Christmas time. And I know we are all thinking about Christmas. And that is Christmas. That is the message of Christmas. It's salvation. It's hope for eternal life. It's redemption of us people. I challenge us to dig deep inside of us and to figure out what we truly want and need. We need to first understand what we want and need. 
whether that's forgiveness, a revival, a need, a problem in our lives. And then we have to ask God. We can't just sit there and continue living. We have to ask God, if I don't know what I want, I just come to God and I say, God, I don't know what I want. I want the things of this world. I want you. I pray, God, that you would open my eyes. Because to believe that, yes, there's joy in you. There's pleasures forevermore at your right hand. And there's these guests that came to our church some time ago and they sang a song and there's this phrase in it that says, tell it to Jesus, hide nothing back. Let's come honestly to Christ and just how we are. He already knows our heart. He just wants us to say it. And in Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 to 34, a last story that I want to look at to encourage us all, for us to look over our lives. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I have a lot to work on. But I pray that this message would serve as a blessing and would speak to all of your hearts. Matthew chapter 20, verse 29 to 34. And as they went out of Jericho, Jesus, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, the son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. An interesting passage. Two blind men. They were blind. To start off first, they required more faith than those who have seen the miracles of Christ. They were blind. All they were able to do is hear what was going on. And I'm pretty sure they heard about the name of Jesus. They knew what they wanted. And they believed that this man has power to heal them. They had a need and they came to them. And then we see Jesus asking them, What do you want me to do for you? It's, it's crazy. It's, it's amazing that Jesus himself is, in a sense, offering, What do you want me to do for you? Not that he's going to do everything that we ask and he's going to be following us and answering all of our needs, but this desire and heart of Jesus Christ for us, that he wants us to be satisfied in him. He cares for us. And these two blind men, they tell him what they want. Did Jesus not know what they wanted? He did. He knew what they wanted. But he wanted them to acknowledge it and he wanted them to profess it and confess it that they want Jesus Christ, that they want healing. And if my head hurts, for example, and I go to the doctor and they ask, why are you here? Where's your pain? I'm not going to say my back hurts, my leg hurts, or start just kind of talking about, oh, how's your day going? If my head hurts and I go to the doctor, I tell them my head hurts. And so when we have a need and I need desperately God's mercy in my life, then I ask for it. I can't go about living my everyday life, say pity prayers and saying, God bless this day and continue living my everyday life like there's nothing. When I have a serious critical need in my life, if we truly have a need, we need to ask God about it. If I don't know what I want, like I've already mentioned, then I go to God and tell him, God, I don't know what I want. I know I need to want you, but I don't have this desire. Do your work in me. The first step is to ask God in faith, to acknowledge this, that yes, I have a problem. I need you, Jesus Christ. And to those of us who need to, let us repent and 
come to Christ and ask Him to change our hearts and our desire. Because no matter how much we try on our, on our own, we will not be able to fix the issue. We will not be able to change our desires on ourselves. We're sinful people. We need Jesus Christ. That's our only hope. And I call all of us, to those who don't know Jesus Christ, to come to Him, to repent, to say, God, do your miracle, miraculous work in my heart. Because if God doesn't do a miracle in our lives, we're hopeless. We have no hope. We have nowhere in heaven except Jesus Christ. And a person might say, okay, fine. I'm not, I'm not going to try to change myself on my own. I'm going to try changing the surroundings of myself. I'm going to blame the church. It's the church that I go to, the friends that I have. And yes, that does play a part. But if a person is has a hardened heart and is not in the right spiritual state, just changing the surroundings is not going to help, is not going to solve the issue. What I must do is point fingers at myself, come to Jesus Christ and say, Christ, you see my poor way living of a Christian or my sinful living. I need you to change me. I need you in my life. And let's acknowledge that and accept this truth that without Jesus Christ, we are absolutely nothing. We have no hope. Our righteousness only is in Him. Our forgiveness and freedom is only in Him. And we must go to Jesus who is a healer. In closing, I'm going to read Jeremiah 8.22. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then has the health of the daughter of my people not been restored? Jesus Christ is a physician. He's a healer. I know He's here. I know that He wants to have a relationship with us. But we must repent. And I want to ask this once again. What is the desire of your heart? Maybe it's love. Maybe it's peace. Maybe you're broken. And you don't know what you want. And maybe you don't understand what's going on. Especially everything going on today. But I call us to come to Christ. To find rest in Him. Because Christ in Matthew 11:28 says, Come to me all who are heavy laden and are weary. And I'll give them rest. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I call of us all to come to Jesus Christ and be satisfied only in Him because there is satisfaction in Him. Till next time.